Hey guys, how's it going? Um, welcome to another episode of Successful Fashion Freelancer. My voice might sound a little off. I am nursing a cold. Errol is nursing a cold. Um, he's currently sleeping. It's uh, well, it's almost eight in the morning. He's sleeping late today, which is nice. I'm actually in my closet recording this episode. I normally record in my office, but my office is right next to his room, and because of this cold situation, which he got because he just started daycare, maybe some other moms and dads out there know what I'm talking about, you know, the daycare, nose, snot situation. Sorry if that's TMI for those of you who don't have kids. Um, his room is right next to my office, and I was ner- he hasn't been sleeping well, and I was nervous to do the interview there that he would hear me, even though he has white noise. So I'm in my closet, surrounded by lozenges and tea. Um, and my voice is a little, uh, rough, but here we go. You guys, this episode, I'm so excited to share with you today. Um, Alexandra is a freelance pattern maker, um, who has this amazing story from where she started to where she got to now, dropped out of fashion school didn't do anything in fashion for five years, just worked odd jobs, finally got a job that she wound up kind of hating overworked, underpaid, like I know a lot of people out there experience, and then dove into freelancing. She is a student in my freelance course, and she is doing amazing. Um, Just a couple things I want to share about Alexandra. She is now making more as a freelancer in one day, one day of freelance work, and she's not even working full-time. These are not eight-hour days. These are part-time days more in one day of freelance work than she was making in two weeks of her previous full-time job where she was working well over 40 hours. She was working a lot. Okay. So let that sit in for a minute and think about the potential there. Um, Alexandra's story is interesting too, because she's not, her, her freelance arrangement is a little bit unique, but totally accessible for anyone out there listening. Um, And I want you to think about the different opportunities that you might not have thought of for freelancing. So she's working, essentially, there's an agency that helps startups, and she does a lot of project work for them. So they basically feed her a bunch of client work. She gets to pick and choose whether she wants the project or not. She gets to do it on her own schedule, all the benefits of freelancing. Um, And she is looking for other clients as well. So it's an interesting arrangement. It's sort of a hybrid, um, but, but 98%. 99 percent definitely freelancing it's just that it's all for one company Uh, so i think you'll find that interesting and let's see what else did i want to share before we dove in i probably should have put some notes together i didn't i'm a little fuzzy today my husband was like you're canceling the interview right when i woke up my voice was super hoarse and i'm like no i'm doing it so here we are we're doing it um okay so yeah, you're going to love Alexandra's story. Very, very inspiring. Um, we also do a little bit of coaching. Um, as I said, she is one of my students. And we do a little bit of coaching in this call too with some things that she currently was kind of struggling with. So I think you'll find that valuable if you are kickstarting or trying to grow your freelance career and there's things that you're kind of stuck on. I think you're going to find this episode really valuable. Um, as always, you can scroll down to access the show notes. And as always... I would love for you to check out my free resources to help you build and grow your freelance career so you can kick ass doing the work that you love and create a life of freedom and flexibility. So as Alexandra says, she can go out in her backyard on lunch and lay out and tan for a few minutes if she wants to, or go get coffee, or wake up at four in the morning and get started working, which is how she likes to work. 
Um, I want to help you do that, and I would love to share my free resources. You can check out those anytime at soheidi.com slash freelance. It's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I dot com slash freelance. Scroll down to check out the show notes for those wherever you're listening. Uh, okay, let's dive into the interview with Alexandra. Thanks for listening, you guys. You're going to love it. Welcome, Alexandra, to the Successful Fashion Freelancer podcast. Um, I'd love to have you start out by introducing yourself and letting everyone know who you are and what you do in the fashion industry. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Alexandra Greta. I'm a freelance pattern maker, and I use 3D CAD to help small businesses experience more sustainable development process. I love this. So... Tell us a little bit about your background in getting started in fashion, because your story is um, a little different. If I understand correctly, you actually dropped out of fashion school. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah. yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I went to uh, Massachusetts College of Art and Design in 2010 with the intention of going for fashion design. Um uh, yeah, it didn't work out for me. I ended up dropping out my junior year, so I never ended up finishing or, yeah, graduating. Um, and I actually ended up going five years without even sewing, uh, touching a sewing machine. Oh, wow. I, yeah, it wasn't until, um, yeah, five or six years later. I mean, within that time, you know, I'm finding myself pretty unhappy having odd-end jobs. But I uh, reconnected with my husband. We got married and moved to Pittsburgh. And it was around that time that uh, was the first time I found your podcast originally. And it was, like, so relieving to hear that and you, in fact, do not need a degree to work in the industry. This was huge for me. Like, I grew up thinking, you know, you can't get a job if you don't have a degree. Um, So that that was huge. That gave me the confidence you definitely helped me with that of just like, just starting, just trying. Yeah. Um, I knew I wasn't in uh, like a fashion hub at that point being in Pittsburgh. So I didn't really know what opportunities were out there for me, but I, I just had to get started. Um, it, and then I found, um, ended up finding a job for a machinist or a production sewer and an Instagram story for a small business here. Okay. And yeah. And Worked there for two years, and then uh, COVID happened, (laughs) (laughs) and I uh, started reconnecting with your podcast again, and kind of blew my mind again of like, wait a minute, I can freelance and do pattern making? So that's definitely what uh, put me on the course. Okay, cool. Where I am right now. So why did you drop out of fashion school? So, you know, um, I guess I... It's kind of funny to say, but I guess I always thought of myself as like an artist. It's art school. And so I thought of myself as like a sculptor more as, and fibers just happens to be my medium. Um, And I guess I I definitely learned quickly that at least the program there, uh, they weren't really looking for, for anything new. They wanted things that they already knew were trendy. You know, like, uh, your designs had to be sellable. Mm. So it was very industry-driven, you know, like, I, I'm like, oh, I'm in art school. Like, I, <laughs> my, <laughs> my designs are all, like, you know, out there, lavish and yeah. stuff. But the reality is, is that you're 
you're not designing for yourself. Uh, you're designing for a market and that's what makes money, you know? So, uh, that was very, very drilled. Um, actually the only like class I was good in was uh, pattern making, which I thought was ironic back then because math was never my strong suit. Yeah. <laughs> it, it seems surprising to me too, that you were like, I'm so artsy. And then you were really drawn into pattern making, which is really technical. Yeah, so I think what it is, uh, it's just the problem solving. That's what ah, I love. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm constantly making things and all mediums and stuff. So I think it, it's really just the uh, the problem solving, the process of that, okay. of actually building. So you dropped out, and then you said you didn't even like touch a sewing machine for five years, like. Were you just feeling really uninspired or like, why, why was that so much that you just kind of walked oh. away for such a long time? I felt like such a failure. Oh. Like that was my projected goal. Like that's what yeah. you're supposed to do. Graduate, get a job, you know, very streamlined goals and stuff. So when yeah. that didn't happen, I'm like, well, yeah, I, I just felt failure. Um, like I could never work in this industry and that's all I wanted to do was um, uh, be a part of that so I'm like well now what like, yeah. so yeah I was very lo- lost for quite a while yeah um okay so you you took a lot of time just you said doing odd jobs and just feeling lost and and finding yourself which is definitely um part of life right <laughs> yes, um, yeah and so there was one specific podcast episode you mentioned, episode 43 with David Russin, who talks about being a remote pattern maker, and it seemed, it sounds like that was kind of a light bulb moment for you. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, you know, it sounds like you had these five years of feeling lost and like a failure, and then you hear the story of this pattern maker who's doing remote work. Um, like, do you remember sort of what that felt like when you maybe had an aha moment that there was an opportunity out there that would work for you? Yeah, so that actually happened uh, this past year during COVID. I still wasn't aware that you could, I knew you could design freelance, but I still didn't know you could um, be a pattern maker and not be in-house mm-hmm. because there is so many like you know, <laughs> technicalities yeah. that I feel like you need to be in person for. Um, so that was like, yeah, mind-blowing. And I'm like, wait, what? I can do that. Um, so once when I heard that, it's, I, I was in a time where I was feeling stuck anyway at the job I was at. I didn't really know what my options were. I didn't, I had, uh, designed two collections at that point. Um, but realized, yeah, I actually didn't like the, uh, the design aspect or at least the final product. It was definitely all about that, uh, creating the fit, um, mm construction aspect of it yeah um yeah so that that was what definitely like the light bulb went off in my head of like oh all right well this is what I'm doing okay um so tell me I want to hear a little bit about um the job you were in for two years you were doing design and pattern making um and it sounds like it wasn't the best fit for you can you talk a little bit about you know, what that job and role was like and and um, how you felt in that position? Yeah. Um, so I was hired as a, a production sewer. So we made everything in-house. 
Um, so I did all the sewing and then say about two months into working, um, I was asked, so do you want to create an intimates collection for the brand? And I definitely jumped on that opportunity. I'm like, well, yeah, I want to. And I did it for the intention of this is portfolio like material. This is mm-hmm. what I need. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't paid for it. Um, oh, wait, but, hold on. What? Yeah. Yeah. This was like beyond your, your nine to five regular job. You did it as like a bonus <laughs> yeah. project, not a bonus. Yeah, And I free. actually had another job too at the time. So I was working two jobs and I designed this collection within two months. Okay. And that is like from like block to like, production like design like concept to product whole wow. thing I did the grading all of it um yeah I did that within two months and I was working weekends and early mornings late nights um yeah I got that done and I mean I was I was happy to do it because I felt like this was actually my first opportunity to actually be able to uh to produce something and contribute yeah but Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it went really well. Um, got a lot of sales from it. Um, it was very popular. So then I was asked to do, um, menswear collection. That one I was paid for. Okay. Um, but I was still getting paid like a sample maker salary, you know, I, and even that I, yeah, I was just getting I was just really underpaid, but you know, it's a small business. You have to wear a lot of hats and stuff. So, yeah, you know, so that's what I thought like my, my only options were. Um, yeah, that collection did really well. Um, but then I started to realize like, Oh, there's no real growth here. Like, I feel like I've, I've reached that point. And just within the two years of working, I like overall enjoyed working in the field, but I realized, I'm like, oh, man, this is not what I want to do. I do not want to be <laughs> um, designing for, for I guess, another person. Okay. And um, I do not want my own brand because there's so much more <laughs> that goes into a brand. Um, and, you know, so much more than just designing. There's, yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, thank you. I do not want that. <laughs> I want to be able to, you know – clock out and be done and you know I feel like someone who has their uh, fashion brand they're they're always in the clock they're always working (laughs) it is it's Um, a lot more than most people think yeah yeah so you went from dropping out of fashion school because you're like this is not really I'm just not loving it you have about five years kind of you know feeling like lost and a little bit like a failure to then getting this job which I imagine you were probably pretty excited about to begin with but then realizing, wait, I'm like working quite a bit. I'm not getting paid very much. Um, I'm not loving this. How are you feeling in that moment where you just like, what's going on? This is really not what I expected. Oh, <laughs> another, uh, just, yeah. Feeling lost of like, well, yeah, now what? Like, I'm like, when am I going to find something that is speaking to me? Like yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Spent all these years trying, and then and I actually got these accomplishments. I have something to feel accomplished over, and it's still not sparking me. It's still not 
that satisfaction I'm looking for. Yeah. So then what happened? Um, like when, when did you, when was the switch from, you know, feeling like that to maybe discovering freelancing and thinking maybe this could be the right path? Like where did that transition all happen? Um, that's, that's when, um, what was it? March, uh, we were on lockdown. Oh, March, 2020. Was it right when the, yeah. right when the pandemic yeah. hit? Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was two weeks of being out of work and I'm like, this is, yeah, I have to go back to the drawing board. Like there's, I got to start looking. That's when I started going back into your podcast and, uh, I found that episode uh, okay. with David. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then, so, okay. So it's, at, at um at the time the pandemic hit it sounds like you lost your job is that true like permanently lost it like it was just done uh no no oh, it was, okay um, yeah I was out of work for probably about two or three months yeah okay um and so then did you go back to working for the same company I did yeah and I gave like a two-month notice of oh wow saying all right I'm gonna go down to part-time okay <laughs> um because I'm going to be focusing on uh my freelance career Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. How did it feel to like make that declaration and actually take a really big, um, action to take a really big step towards, um, walking away from a job that, you know, while it's not really well paying, it's still a job. It's still a paycheck to be like, okay, I'm going to go venture out there and do my own thing as a freelancer. How'd that feel? Um, it was definitely scary, but I felt like it was like, it was time. I, I was in this kind of rut that, I'm ready for the next step. Something needs to happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I still had ties, so I still had a little bit of income coming in. So yeah. Um, it wasn't until in December when I was like, that's it. Like, I just have to, I just have to quit because um, I wasn't getting enough done um, in the freelance side where I'm like, I just have to be all in on this. Okay. And I know that doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my case, yeah, I just had to fully focus to and just jump all in. That was the scary part. <laughs> okay, so at that moment when you're like, okay, I'm going to fully quit the job and do freelance 100%, that felt, like, really scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so then what happened? Um, you know what? It Well, so the holidays happened everything, so I didn't really start looking uh, for work until probably about mid-February this year. Okay. And this is only yeah. end of May we're recording, so that was just a few months back. Literally just a few months ago, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I started looking uh, around mid-February, and I actually found a job on Indeed looking for freelance. And I know it's always, like, just full-time, in-person kind of stuff, but I just found um, – I think it was actually for a pattern maker. Not a pattern maker, sample maker. Okay. I applied to it. I, I sent my portfolio, and they reached out, and – they say, we're looking at your portfolio. We see that you have intimates. We're looking for a pattern maker that does intimates. Would you actually be interested in that? I'm like, oh, I didn't even know you had that opportunity. Oh, yeah, it was a different job than you had applied for. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, I definitely preferred the the pattern maker. I was just like, hey, you know, sample maker. I'll, you know, something on the side. I can make at least some income, Yeah. you know, while I look for pattern making. But, um but yeah, um, and so, so it's a, it's a company that, um, helps startups, 
um, go from like design to production. Mm -hmm. So I would get, um, projects and I mean, I could decline them and everything like that. Um, choose what I wanted to work on. It was project based. Yeah. And I would uh, do the pattern making and, uh, POM and the tech packs. Yeah. And I like instantly right away, I, I love it so much because it's, yeah. <laughs> it's different every time. Yeah. And I feel like I'm actually applying myself, which yeah. is, is awesome. Yeah. Um, but I didn't just get the job. They, they gave me a project and I was like, you know, I feel like this isn't like a lot of money for this, but who, who am I to know? You know, like I, <laughs> I haven't done this before. So I did the project and, uh, I delivered it. I'm like, uh, I, and I reached out, I said, I have to be, you know, I was happy to do this for you, but I have to be, you know, honest that I don't like, I would have charged a lot more for this. And, um, she actually totally agreed. And, um, so, I mean, I think it was just a, like a trial, a trial project, you okay. know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, after that, uh, I was like working for a month getting a uh, steady work and I actually found another, another, uh, job. It was like a, a doll pattern maker and I'm, I'm just looking for work right now. This is before I'm like narrowing down on my niche here. Um, and I'd went through the interview process of that and then actually decided to not take the job. And that was huge for me, like to be offered something in, you know, fashion, you know, like my field and to decline something. That was the first time I've ever declined something Ah. like that. And I felt super guilty and oh, you did? Interesting. <laughs> I did, yeah. Wait, okay, hold on. So why mm-hmm. did you decline it first? I have two questions, um, yeah. So thinking about it, I'm like, this is <coughs> this is pattern making for dolls. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this isn't something I would want to show in mm-hmm. my portfolio. Mm-hmm. I, I was breaking it down. I'm like, I don't think this is, this isn't going to help me like move forward in whatever direction I'm trying to get into. Um, because I know I don't, I'm, I don't want to be a doll pattern maker. It was good money, but was it like part time mm-hmm. and you could fit it into your schedule and still do your, your lingerie work with the other yeah. company? Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it was flexible. Yeah, so that's what was hard about so it. So genu- like it was like a true, this, so. another true freelance yeah. opportunity that you could just add to your client roster, but you were mm-hmm. like, this isn't a good match for me. Yeah, yes, I was, uh, yeah, I was very scared <laughs> to decline that. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this is, Yeah. I should be, like, grateful that I have another opportunity. So why am I sitting here, like, ready to decline this? But I'm, I'm glad I did. I look back, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm so glad I did. Um, because literally the next day, um, the company I was working for, um, doing the uh, project-based pattern-making pro- yeah. projects. Um, yeah. They offered me to be a pattern maker for, like, famous model actress for their swimwear collection. Wow. What? That's <laughs> so exciting. I assume you can't tell us who it is. Oh, uh, yeah, unfortunately not. Okay, okay. But it's exciting. One day maybe we'll find out once it comes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's Hopefully. so exciting. Oh, it's – and it's – yeah, it's awesome. Like, I – and I wonder, I'm like, I – like if I had taken that other job, I think I would have been um, too caught up in like mm-hmm. the learning curve of mm-hmm. like the 
size proportions to to really um, pay attention to this this amazing opportunity that yeah. is so much better for yeah. I think it's like it's really scary to say no to stuff like that, um, especially when you say like you know the money was good, but. I think that you really have to, and obviously, listen, like everybody's in a different position and can or can't afford to say yes or no to certain things, right? So if you need to say yes, then you say yes. But if you can maybe, you know, listen to your gut and just push through, I think there's so much value in that and it creates room for other opportunities to appear or for you to create other opportunities, um, even though it feels really, really scary, right? which it sounds like exactly what it was for you. Yeah. So I thought of it as like, well, that time that I'd be putting into that takes away the time that I could be focusing more on like directed work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey listener, quick 15 second announcement. If you're ready to start freelancing and escape the corporate politics and BS, visit SoHeidi.com slash freelance for my best free resources. That's S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash freelance. I will help you take back your schedule and your life. Now back to the episode. So um, I want to talk a little bit about your arrangement with this company. So if I understand correctly, they're like a, they're like an agency, which there's many, many out there companies who help startups from design through development throughout the whole, you know, creative and um, production side. And so they take on many, many clients and they may help them with various parts of the process. Oftentimes, and this is something I talk about within the freelance course, um, oftentimes, you know, they might not have enough people on staff to support all those projects. And so this is a great opportunity for freelancing. Um, and it can look a little bit like a hybrid only in that all of your clients and all of your projects are still under one roof. Mm-hmm. But you are getting to work on multiple projects. Like you said, it's project-based. You still get to choose the projects. It sounds like you were able to negotiate the rate that worked better for you. Um, you get to do the work when you want to do the work. It's not like nine to five, you know, like like these other temp job permalance opportunities out there. Um, so it's a really interesting hybrid that I definitely promote and I think is a great opportunity for freelancers. Um, so can you just talk a little bit about like how the arrangement feels for you? Like how does it work within your lifestyle? And, you know, as far as you wanting to go after this, this freelancer work remote role, um, I think a lot of people could say like, oh, well, you just applied for this job on Indeed. That doesn't really sound like freelancing. But in reality, when we look at the structure of your relationship, it it does. Can you just talk a little bit more about, you know, how you work with them and, and how that feels for you in terms of your lifestyle and, and having some yeah, freedom and flexibility? Definitely. Yeah, so I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, well, maybe this isn't like true freelance and stuff. But honestly, yeah, I, I highly recommend it as well. And it helps get your your feet wet if you're new to freelancing because there's a lot of like logistics in between stuff. So they're honestly kind of guiding you as well because they have a little bit more experience, um, you know, working with the client and factories. But yeah, um, like it's it's project based. So like every week, I'll get a project sent to me. Be like, 
you interested in any of these, you know, and you can decline, accept whatever you want. There's a, there's typically like a agreed upon deadline. Um, before accepting the project, I like, this is just me, but I am so thorough with like, I look at the work, what's like provided for me. And I ask so many questions. I, I'm practically re- reiterating like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what they want. Very precise about that. And then I'll agree and say, okay, yes, I'll take the project. And then that's when my, my, de- like my start time begins. Okay. Um, yeah. And then, um, so in that, that's the time too, where I can negotiate the price and stuff. And I have done that actually, uh, several times. Like there was a project that I asked a hundred dollars more for, and she was totally okay with it. Yeah. So they're very understanding, at least the company I work for. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do the project. So typically my projects are, I'm creating the flat sketches and (laughs) you've uh, really helped me with that too. (laughs) (laughs) I failed at that in school. So it's, it's crazy. Your, your videos are so much, so educational. Um, so I do the flat sketches. Um, I create the pattern and then save it in the appropriate files that they're asking for. And then the parts of the tech pack I do are the like construction callouts and the POM uh, measurements. Okay. Yeah. Points measure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then when I complete it, I, I email them, say, Hey, you know, I have it done. And then that's when they pay me. So they pay me before I deliver. Oh, that's the, wonderful. The project too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that is a huge comfort. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where, where's that company? Where's the company located that you work for? Uh, they're located in California. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like you've never met anybody or, indra- or done anything in person and despite the pandemic, mm-hmm. you probably still wouldn't have cause they're so far away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then is there any like development process where they might go through a round of a proto and a fitting that you might need to be involved with to make adjustments to the pattern or anything like that? So that's the only unfortunate thing. Cause I would love to be involved with that because that's how I can know like what needs to be worked on. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's so much more valuable if I can see that in person or, mm-hmm. uh, or virtually and stuff, but, um, they'll, they'll get the, the proto and then, um, either the client or the company it's, it's their choice. Um, we'll do the fitting, see what needs to be fixed. And then they'll, uh, relay it back to me. Of okay, exactly gotcha. what needs to be, yeah, adjusted. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you do do edits. You're just not involved in that process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, this is amazing, and I want to share something that you quoted with the information you sent us before the interview. Um, you said you make more in one day of freelance work than you used to make in one week of full time work at your previous job. Oh wow. Yeah, now it's uh, <laughs> it's it's probably more than uh, two weeks. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. my uh, gosh. It's it's crazy even hearing uh, you say it. It's it's mind blowing, really. Like I, I don't know why I didn't do it sooner, but you know, I, I didn't know. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah, and it's hard. Um, oh my gosh. And so, um, are you currently? Are you working about full time, like eight hours a day? 
Uh, no, actually I'm, I'm definitely looking for work. I'm cold pitching right now. Uh, okay. Like crazy. Yeah. I wait. Probably, so you're, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. You're working less than eight hours a day. Yet mm-hmm. you're still making more in one day than you made in two weeks of your previous full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is insane. I mean, I mean I'm only ins- getting faster. So yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's why I love the uh, the project base, definitely. Yeah. Um, I found huge advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, And now we continue that. Amazing. Okay, I love this. This is such... Okay, first <laughs> of all, we just need to take a pause here, Alexandra, to, like, huge congratulations on where you're at, and you should be really, really proud of yourself. I mean, how does it feel to, like, really look back on that and think okay, I was in this job, I was not even liking the work, to now making more in, let's say, working four, six, seven hours a day, less than eight, and making Mm -hmm. more, loving the work and making more than you did in two weeks. How does that feel to have that type of a transformation? Well, thank you. Uh, Yeah, I I guess I really haven't sat down and (laughs) take the time to (laughs) to acknowledge it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like I, I don't have words for it, honestly. I mean, okay. it's amazing, yeah, and I'm so grateful for yeah, like everything that that you've provided, all the resources and stuff to even spark the idea, plant the seed. Yeah, people's heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's amazing. <laughs> it's so it's so ironic because it's like I should be proud of myself, but like this past week, I'm cold pitching. I'm putting myself out there, you know, getting not really getting anywhere and so I view that as like oh, I'm not like doing anything so I'm like in a slump this week um, like, uh. <laughs> you know it's but funny it's part of the process yeah it is and it's funny because um so as part of the the, the successful fashion freelancer course we do strategy calls as you know or I said I think you know and um one of the students who I had on as a strategy call, she was like, I'm not getting answers to my cold pitches. I want to talk about that on the call. And the call was scheduled for like three or four weeks later. And then like two days before the call, she goes, well, I just got a bunch of answers to my pitches. So it's funny because um, it doesn't happen in five seconds. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it does take take a bit of time. Um, you can send out a bunch of pitches one week. You're not going to hear back tomorrow. Like it just, you know, there's a little bit of a process. There's a follow-up and all that sort of stuff. So... I'm very confident that you'll gain some momentum and traction with that. Um, so don't feel discouraged. Yeah, yeah, discouragement is definitely, definitely the word. And yeah. you're right. It's like it's been like a week and a half. It's That's so <laughs> short of time. It's and, so short. And I should be proud of myself because yeah. I am hearing back from people. Yeah. Um, I think I've heard back from like four of the 12. And that was Wait, like okay. the same 20. Hold on. So oh, yeah. you, uh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. So, okay, because when you were first saying it, it sounded like everything was going into a black hole. But you're hearing back. I am. I'm okay. always hearing back. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're, it's just kind of back and forth. You know, yeah. I have them on my, on my radar to reach out again. And yeah. I think a lot of, at least the smaller businesses, they're, they're hesitant of moving towards, um, like, moving digitally. And they oh, instantly have like the association. Physical uh, patterns? It being too much money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah. Interesting. But ironically, it's like you can do 
things so much faster digitally. So that's why I don't really like to give an hourly when they ask my prices because, you know, I could say uh, 50 bucks an hour, but, you know, they could view that as like, well, it takes me like 10 hours to do a pattern or something, you know, by hand. So it doesn't really put it into perspective um, for them. It's like, well, it could be say $50 an hour, but for a correction that takes 20 minutes, you know? So, yeah. So, so I think they're just hesitant with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you might just need to do some educating mm-hmm. and and kind of inform them of like, you know, think about what are the pros and cons of, of digital versus paper. And um, you might just have to do a little bit of selling in mm-hmm. terms of selling them on the idea. Uh, that's what I feel like now that I'm just like a sales <laughs> salesperson. Um <laughs> I had to start like just doing some pattern making like early in the morning or something just so I'm like, okay, this is what I do. I'm not just a salesperson because then I can start almost feeling like, um, what's that? Uh, I can't think of the term, but almost like a fraud of like, what am I selling here if I'm not actively practicing my craft, I guess. But you are though, you're Mm -hmm. doing all that other work. You know, I guess I need to just slow down and uh, acknowledge those things. I, I, I'm pretty hard on myself. I'm always like, yeah, it uh, like okay, accomplish that, on to the next, you know. Yeah. So, um, and and I know we're doing this as like a podcast interview, but we can jump into a little bit of coaching if you'd like, because I, and I'm just going to do it, okay? So, um, <laughs> you said, um and I probably used the wrong words too, right? Because I said you you need to maybe sell them on the concept of doing digital versus paper. Mm-hmm. And you said, yeah, you know, I just feel like a salesperson, um, which I think is something a lot of freelancers struggle with, right? It can feel very awkward or, um, or I don't know, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. Like what, how does, how does being a salesperson like make you feel? Um, I mean, I, I, constantly feel like I'm trying to convince people um yeah yeah of like a of a service you know okay and I mean I'm not really a people person as is I'm very (laughs) introverted yeah well, you're very sweet on this interview. It doesn't sound like you're yeah 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 you sound very much like a people person here. So um so something I talk a lot about in the course and I don't know if you've watched these modules or if you remember but um you just, it can really help a lot to kind of reposition it in your head. I'm not a salesperson. You know, you don't need to be there to convince or like persuade. You're there to help educate and inform and say, you know what, I can do something that can help you and I can tell you about how it can help you. And if it's not for you, then that's okay. It's not for you, right? It's a no pressure situation. Um, You have a skill that they can benefit from. So instead of saying, I'm a salesperson or I'm selling this thing to you, it's, hey, I can do this thing that can really help you. Um, You know, here's why it could help. You know, if that sounds like something that's interesting or if it sounds like something you think would be beneficial, then I'd be happy to talk more about it. And if not, then that's fine. It's not for you. That's okay, right? So it's more of like Mm. presenting it as, I can help and here's a little here's some of the ways I can help. And then that that one line um of you know if it's not for you like no pressure like that can kind of be the 
the cherry on the mm. top when it comes to putting yourself out there and cold pitching and, you know, air quotes, selling, right, is yeah. no pressure. Like, listen, if it's not a good match, like, I don't want to push you into anything that doesn't feel right for you. That instantly takes the pressure off of you and it instantly takes the pressure off of them and it makes the whole conversation feel like a lot more transparent and open and comfortable. So I would really, like, since it sounds like you're having a lot of these, like, oh, I'm selling and I'm convincing and uh, and maybe not so great feelings around that and the cold pitching process, um, I would maybe try to reframe some of the process in the way that I just presented. Like, how does that, how does that make you feel? Yeah, that sounds really great. I like, um, it just seems more personable. Yeah. Yeah, like, um. I'm not putting anything like upon someone, you know, yeah. Yeah. Having that pressure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that can help you a lot. Um, but you said you sent out 12 pitches and you've heard back from four and it's only been a week and a half, which is amazing. And here's the other thing that I think people don't realize with, um, projects in general projects, like people don't, get an email from you and then like three days later say sure let's do a project here's a deposit it you know (laughs) there's a little bit of time to build some rapport even you know projects um for existing clients can take a little bit of time right people have timelines to balance and budgets to balance and all this other stuff and so it can take a minute I would be very surprised if I don't talk to you in a few weeks and you've like secured a couple of those as actual paying projects I I would really bet towards that um, you know, I can't guarantee anything, obviously, but you're, <laughs> oh, I appreciate the, uh, yeah, you're on? no, I, I feel like all of them are, were promising. None of them were like, uh, no, why are you talking to me or anything yeah, like that? Um, yeah. all of them seem very interested. Like that's something that they want to do. They were so grateful. Yeah. Um, you know, we've chatted back and forth. We're all like on good terms. I'll reach out to them again. So it seems like, uh, they're either just not in that right place right now. Yes. It can be a lot or, of timing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, they still need to, to warm up to it and, yeah. you know, think about it financially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you made a comment there and you said they were all very grateful. So I want to talk about that a little bit because a lot of people can feel really awkward about cold pitching. Um, and I just, to define this for people listening who might not know, cold pitching is essentially when you email a brand that you don't know, like it's a cold lead, it's not a warm lead, it's not someone that you've had an introduction to. So it's a brand that you never know, they never heard, they don't know you, they've never heard of you, and you reach out kind of blindly, cold, and you present yourself um, and offer different ways that you could maybe help them. And people feel like, that's so weird, like I'm not just going to randomly email some brand, that's so weird, like what are they going to think of me? But then you just made the comment that they were grateful that you reached out. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think your course helped a lot with that. Honestly, the uh, module that you just put up for um, is it people like oh yeah their the, first yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah. it's the um, bonus module on how to freelance if you don't have any experience. Yes. Yeah. So you were doing some uh, just quick emails, reaching out and stuff, and I think viewing that like just took the pressure off of it because mm. you made it seem like, like this isn't a big deal. You it's not. Yeah. It and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it is, it's about them. You're not talking about it yourself. Even if yeah. you like mention that, like what you do, 
you're not talking about yourself. You're talking about like how that pertains to them. And you're using those, like pulling those trigger words, you know, using their same dialogue vocabulary. Yeah. 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 And I think what's really helped me, um, I, I do take that extra like 15 minutes to full dive, look at each brand, like in and out. I see if like there's, there's interviews that they've done, any, anything like that. Not Mm -hmm. just like, um, so I make it very personable. Um, and I think that's, what's really helped me. Um, because you can kind of get a gist of what their problems are pertaining to like the, you know, product development. Totally. And I feel like my service is, uh, has dialed in to spit. So I specifically can like word it and like, oh, you mentioned like that bra strap is digging into your shoulder. Well, this is, you know what I mean? Like this is how you'd prevent that with, you know, you don't have to go through so many samples, which yeah. is less waste, which it's is very attractive for them. Time and yeah. money, you yeah. know, overall. Yeah. So it's, it's really those three target points of like time, money, waste. Yeah. So everyone wants to be sustainable now too. Yeah. Like going digital really is that that's the future of it. Yeah. There you go. Um, okay. And so, and then when you reach out and you, you know, you put together this nice, pit. I'm really glad that bonus module helped so much too, even though you have experience, um, but it's mm-hmm. interesting to hear that just watching me write those pitches was, and so for people who aren't listening, I basically went through and I wrote some cold pitches um, and just kind of did it live on the screen to show you like my thought process through it. And it was specifically targeted for um, people who don't have experience, but you have experience and you still found that really valuable. So that's amazing. I'm really excited to hear that. It was, yeah, so helpful. It was definitely like a game changer. I guess just, yeah, seeing your thought process. Oh, cool. Observing you do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And here's the thing, too, is like I did those pretty quickly and like it's second nature for me. And you, it's a muscle you build, right? So the first pitch you ever write is going to be like, oh, this is hard. This feels awkward. Like, what am I saying? All these things, right? But like you, it gets easier and you get better and you get much more quick. And you, it just your brain starts to think in that way just out of habit. Um, and then the brands are really grateful when you reach out because here's the thing that goes back to you're not selling. You're helping them. So they have a problem. They have – they their bra strap is digging in or they um their current pattern maker is doing things on paper and it's a lot of waste or you know whatever is going wrong in in the pattern making process or whatever process you know it's requiring more samples and that's causing time that's adding time and money to production and so that's a frustration for the brand right and so then you coming in saying you know I can help reduce the amount of patterns um, or protos or whatever the thing might be you're offering to help them do something better, do something easier, do it faster, do it less expensive. And that's really attractive. So they're grateful that you reach out. Um, so how does it feel to like do the cold pitching, which you're like, oh, I'm selling myself, eh, but then have the brand reach out and be grateful? Oh, it, it definitely feels like a win. <laughs> yeah. So you're staring in front of, com- of a computer for hours, just like, yeah, feeling like a salesperson, like, what am I even doing here? And yeah. when you hear back, it, in, you know, even if it's not, it's not going to be like an immediate yes, but just the feedback that I've gotten so far, 
I view those as wins because I actually feel like I have now a relationship with them. You do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all these little seeds that you plant and they might need, not need a project next week, but you plant enough of these seeds, then this company needs a project next week. And then this other one needs one in two months. And then, you know, some of these seeds you plant, like you might hear back from one of these companies in a year and they're like, oh my gosh, hey, we, we need you now. And so, and then that's what happens. You plant all these seeds and then your freelance business just starts to grow really organically as you build these, you, you create the foundation to build these relationships at the beginning. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, it's it's exciting, and I think it's important to to just acknowledge that yeah, we're you're planting the seed, you're you're still growing. Just yeah, because you know you don't see a, a tree grow, but it doesn't mean it's not growing. So yeah, it doesn't you're mean you don't see all roots. this stuff. Yeah, under the ground that's happening. It's like it's same with the iceberg, right? the iceberg effect where you only see what's on top of the water, but really there's like three times as much iceberg under the water that spent a lot of time building up to, to create that foundation. That's anything in yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is amazing, Alexandra. You dropped out of school. Um, don't live in a fashion hub. You know, we're stuck in this job and now you're like really crushing it. And I, your future is huge. I can just tell. I mean, it's already huge what you're doing, and I just know there's so much more growth for you. Oh, thanks, Heidi. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I love it. It's been really great to chat with you. Um, I would love to ask you the question that I ask everybody at the end, and that is, what is one thing people never ask you about being a fashion freelancer that you wish they would? Well, I feel like um, when people think about the industry, um, they only think of the design aspect. And all, all the uh, the components that go into it. So when I say I'm a pattern maker, I feel like a lot of most people don't even really know what that entails. Oh yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, they think it's like a make you know a, a print on, <laughs> on a fabric or something. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, yeah. So the process of that, in general, yeah, it's it's literally the development process designed to product, like, yeah. you know, the, the guts of, in between. Yeah. Um, but for freelancing, I think when people hear the word freelance, they think of gig work. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't actually, mm, I feel like there's that stigma of like, Oh, it's not like a real job or it's not secure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, that you, you know, it's that there's different, levels of it I wish people understood that you can freelance and still be such a big part of the puzzle you know yeah a contributor of it yeah well it's interesting too because like like you said a a lot of people can look at it like oh it's gig work or I think a lot of people think like oh she's a freelancer she's really must be struggling when Mm. in reality but then like when you had your full-time job that on paper might have you know, air quote, looked more impressive, but like financially it was a lot less and also just how emotionally and mentally rewarding it was, was a lot less. So it does have a stigma and, and, you know, maybe we're the ones out there to try to change that. Um, Mm. but yeah, you're, you're very clearly in a much better place than you were in a full-time job. Oh yeah. Mentally, uh, financially like I can 
it, you know, at lunch today, I could go and tan in my backyard if I want to, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. It's, it's, there's such freedom in, in that. Um, and like, I know that I work, uh, better early in the morning at like four in the morning. Oh, wow. So I can get really early. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, those are my hours. And then, okay. you know, I, I toned down for, uh, you know, later on in the day, but I think, you know, everybody's different. They're wired differently. So you really have the freedom to make a schedule that works for you. Yeah. If you're a morning person, that's great. That's where you're going to be more productive. Yeah. If you're an evening person, you want to work at midnight. That's great. You have the freedom to do that. Yeah. You know, if you want to go out and get a cup of coffee, like, cause you want to, like, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's really like, uh, yeah. Like that true feeling of freedom that I, I wasn't even hundred percent sure of, um, what that really entailed. And the fact that I, definitely want people to know is, yeah, I feel like they're like, oh, you're freelancing. What's that like? Or how is that going for you? It's like, you can make so much more money. Yeah, you really can. so much less. Yeah. And be actually happy. It's like, what's the catch <laughs> almost? But um, yeah, it's, I mean, I guess the catch is these like in between points of, you know, feeling discouraged because you do have to motivate yourself. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like that's definitely like a requirement of yeah. you have to. You have to be really driven too. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Self-discipline yeah. and accountability. For sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing to hear. I'm so excited for you. Um, it's interesting too, because I think a lot of people, you know, there's this um, broad stereotype that, well, freelancing is not secure. Well, guess what? No job is secure. You could be let go yeah. tomorrow. And I actually view freelancing as a little more secure because you have the opportunity to diversify and it's you can just go out and find more clients and grow and adjust your rate. And when you're in a full-time job, you're dependent on one full-time job and that job can poof, go away tomorrow and you lose everything. You know, once you yeah. get a good base of clients, you lose one client. Well, you still have three, four, five, six other clients that are helping stabilize your income. Um, and the income growth is there's, there's really no ceiling, which, um, you know, unless you reach really high levels in a, in a job role, like director or, or executive level, um, there's pretty low ceiling, uh, caps for, or pretty low pay caps, um, in, in most of the fashion world. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Yeah. Uh, with freelancing, you don't have all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. You can definitely outreach and stuff and. Yeah, like at, at my job, I was I was seeing that cap of like, okay, I can't really go any further That's right. Further yeah, here. you said that earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with this, yeah, I, there's no limit. Yeah, I yeah. can. It's really up to mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is amazing, Alexandra. Um, I'm really, really proud of you. You've come so far, you know, not only in your whole career since the moment, you know, you dropped out of fashion school to where you are now, but even just in the past few months and then the past few weeks as you've started, you know, putting yourself out there and pitching, which I know can feel really intimidating, um, but you're doing amazing. And I'm so, so, so excited. You're going to have to keep me updated over the coming weeks because I know there's a lot of growth out there for you right around the corner. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I definitely will. Yeah. Um, where can, so first of all, where can people connect with you? But also, you know, maybe there's some people out there listening who need a pattern maker like you where could people find you and and reach out to to say hi um so right now i 
pretty much, uh, if you want to see any of my work, I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. And that's just Alexandra Dashagreta. Okay, and we'll link um, to that in the show notes. Yeah, but I'm definitely open to you up for reaching out. Um, I have an Instagram that I'm always on and stuff, but it's a little bit more personal of a page. I am, I'm not much of a social media person. <laughs> I do have to admit, Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally up for having conversations with people, but when it comes to posting, yeah, I'm a little bit more introverted, but okay. I'm slowly trying to, uh, to like, uh, I guess add more like professional content, I guess you would say, okay. but yeah, I'm on, um, Instagram, Alexandra.agreda as well. Okay, great. We'll link to both of those. And I'm sure there are people that just want to say hi, but maybe there's someone out there who needs your help. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been really fun to chat and hear your story. Thank you so much for having me, Heidi. All right, you guys, what an amazing story. Um, so, so, so exciting to share Alexandra's journey with you and all the inspiring things that she has to offer. She um, told me before we hit record, she was a little nervous to do the interview, which a lot of guests are. And I told her, I just said, you just did great. And I think there's so many parts of your story that people are going to find really inspiring. And I really, really hope that you did. Um, If you did, I'd be so grateful if you left a review on iTunes to talk or Apple Podcasts. Um, to talk about what you found inspiring about this episode or what you love about the podcast in general. Those reviews are really, really helpful. Um, And always, if you want to check out my free resources, you can scroll down to the show notes and click through to the link at soheidi.com slash freelance, S-E-W-H-E-I-D-I.com slash freelance. You can also check out the show notes to any links that we mentioned. And yeah, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for tolerating my hoarse voice and my cold. Um, I am going to get off now. It's just about eight o'clock and I'm going to go get Errol out of bed and hopefully get both of us back on track and done with this cold little bug thing that we've caught. So thanks for listening, you guys, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.